0: Welcome to Equestrian Movement's First Do No Harm podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boniface, co-founder of Equestrian Movement with Sarah Gallagher. We work with horse riders who want to build a stronger bond and a deeper connection with their horses. In our First Do No Harm podcast, we discuss with other industry professionals how to work with horses to firstly do no harm and secondly support their mental, emotional, and physical well-being throughout the training process so that we have horses that enjoy learning and ask to be ridden. Each episode we discuss the different influences our training can have and how we can improve our horses overall athleticism, soundness of mind and body and emotional fortitude, while strengthening and deepening our relationship with our horses. Each week I will endeavor to bring to you a new episode on horse riding, training handling and husbandry for an interview with other industry professionals to help you address where and why you might get stuck in creating the beautiful union of dancing souls that is the equestrian sport are you ready to kick off today's show let's get started Hey team, Katie here from Equestrian Movement and we are doing episode 9 of the First Do Know Harm podcast. Today we're talking to Lisa Allegis Gillibert about angular limb
1: deformities and postural alignment relating to
0: hoof care and management. We also have a little treat for you. Lisa has so kindly put together a YouTube training for us to add to
1: this conversation. You can find that over at www.equestriammovement.com forward slash the glorious hoof. So without
0: further ado, let's give Lisa a big warm welcome to the show.
1: Hi Lisa, I am so excited to have you on our podcast today talking about hoof trimming and hoof, big word,
2: <laughs> angular limb deformities,
1: there we go, angular limb deformities and um, managing their postural health with uh, how wet regularly and how well we trim them. Uh, So would you like to start off by just talking a little bit about yourself and how you got started with uh, hoof care?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, I run the Glorious Hoof uh, in uh, Western Sydney. Uh, uh, It's a barefoot trimming slash polyurethane shoeing business. So I first got into hoof care when I was 12 years old. My mother bought me a pony. And uh, he was very naughty for the farrier. <laughs> but he was really well behaved for me when I was picking his feet out. And she thought to herself, hmm, you could do that. So then she bought me a rasp. And luckily I rode that pony a lot on all different types of terrain. And he had very straight legs. Uh, so we didn't have any issues with a 12-year-old just randomly rasping whenever she thought they looked a bit long. Um, and that kind of, uh, I'd always, so I'd always looked after my own horse's feet and then when I started to grow up a little bit, um, you know, working on some friends' horses and then as a young adult uh, in 2007 when equine influenza hit, um, of course farriers couldn't come to properties and I was pulling shoes and trimming for more friends and then I eventually went on to do uh, the Diploma of Equine Podiotherapy with um, the college down in the Ark there and um, uh, started my business then, and then you know ended up getting really interested in glue-on shoes and nail-on polyurethane shoes, and so that's what I specialise in today.
1: Yeah, awesome. So, what's the difference between um, the glue-on and polyurethane shoes? And the so,
2: it, polyurethane shoes. It's just polyurethane's just the plastic that it's made out of, um, and a lot of the shoes um, that I use, they could be nailed or glued on. Um, there's some that just get nailed. There's some that just get glued, basically a nail on polyurethane shoe has got a metal nailing plate in it. Um, there are some that you can nail that don't have the nailing plate, but I find that they just stay on better if they have a nailing plate. And then the ones that don't, um, are the glue on ones They tend to be a bit lighter because the, the weight of the glue adds, uh, weight to the to the limb, which changes um, the biomechanics of the movement and all the rest of it. So mm. um, so I don't use uh, like plain metal shoes. Um, I'm just not interested in working with metal. I really like uh, the polyurethane, the, the what we do with polyurethane shoes really excites me. So I, that's what I specialise in. There's heaps of metal shod fairies that do very well. Yeah. Um, but good hoof care is good hoof care in my opinion.
1: Yeah, 100%. Uh, so, when we have had a look through your Facebook group, uh, your Facebook page, the Glorious Hoof, there's some really fun photos on there about correcting uh, posture for our horses. Yeah. And how you trim them up properly. Yeah. And I had a big takeaway from this when we did the summit last year about how uh, conformational problems will wear the hoof incorrectly. So then it's hard for the farriers to correct the postural alignment if we're not trimming regularly enough. <laughs> yes.
2: It's kind of um, like a, a cyclical arrangement. If there's, um, you know, a horse that doesn't have a straight leg is going to wear their hoof not, not straight. So, for instance, uh, you know, a pigeon-toed horse where their toes turn inwards, um, they're going to break over their foot not at the front of the foot they're going to break over it slightly to the side which is the lateral side outside and then they'll wear where they're breaking they wear the foot out of their way which makes the inside of the foot not wear and it grow it looks like when you pick up the foot it grows faster it 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 might be growing faster depending on the situation but what's happening is it's not wearing so then if the if the inside toe is longer and the outside toe is shorter it's going to just make that hoof turn in even more yeah and so a hoof grows uh there's a there's a few studies um uh, i think it's uh four mils to seven mils a month roughly a hoof will grow that quickly Mm -hmm. so in four weeks you're going to have potentially or in five or six weeks you're going to potentially have an extra centimeter of hoof causing even more um uh you know, leverage in different directions depending on what's going on in the foot. Even in a nice straight foot, you're going to have extra leverage where, where we're not necessarily wanting it to be. So um, so if you can imagine a hoof that's not straight, having an extra centimetre of growth somewhere and, and then even maybe even a centimetre less growth in another area, um, how much that's going to then put extra pressure on, an extra leverage on, on the sensitive structures inside.
1: Yeah, 100%. I don't know why it took listening to you for me to give that one out. <laughs> and, I get it. Um, <laughs> will something I think you were talking about maybe that Sarah picked out with looking at the rings of the hoof to be able to tell, like, if it's going out straight. With Yeah, so um, not
2: necessarily the rings, but the – so the way a hoof is um, – like the hoof capsule grows with tubules, right? If you look up really close on your horse's foot, especially after a fresh trim or when the hoof's nice and clean, you'll see the tubules, the lines, right? And in a hoof that's that's nice and straight, your tubules will be in line with the limb. They'll be nice and they'll be perpendicular to the ground, so at right angle to the ground. In a, say, again, pigeon-toed horse, those tubules are going to be pointing to the inside Mm. and horse it toes out those tubules are going to be pointing to the outside um that's something that can be it it goes hand in hand with like because those tubules grow whichever way the bone is facing
1: so i mean obviously that's why when you're doing barefoot trimming you're supposed to stick to the four week mark rather than the six to eight week mark
2: definitely so um like i guess my hoof care paradigm is all based around um a species appropriate care right everything to do with horses should be species appropriate so we've got to think back about the way horses evolve the way their dna has told them to um, exist in their environment um so being able to basically what i'm doing with a hoof rust when i'm trimming a horse is i'm simulating the wear that they would have gotten in that period of time mm. right um so we want to keep our capsule hoof capsules um as tight around the bone inside as possible without over thinning the wall, over thinning the sole, over thinning any of that They still need the protection, but we need to keep the leverage as tight and neat and possible around that hoof capsule because every step that a, that a, that a horse makes is meant to wear a little bit of foot. Um, and then of course, we domesticate these animals we take them out of their um environment where they're meant to be doing i think it's around about 11 or i've got a podcast on on this how much where a horse um should have on their foot um but uh, i think uh, brian hampson he's an australian researcher he's a farrier as well and he did um gps studies and ideally around about 11 to 12 kilometers a day is how much your horse should be moving over varied terrain and i can tell you a lot, a lot of horses it's a lot it's <laughs> it's it is a lot um it's not it's not too much no. um but it's a lot but it's it's a lot more but than what we can provide for them in a any lot yarded situation
1: than, yeah paddock, in a paddock.
2: Offer. <laughs> exactly a small little two acre paddock you think oh wow what a big yard it's, it's really not so so thinking about how we can um try and keep our horses in as i don't, like Yes, in a natural way is possible, but it's not natural taking a horse out of mm. like, domesticating a horse is not natural, but trying to think about the way that we can do that. I'm waffling a little bit here, but part of that is the simulated wear needs to be done as ideally. I'll, I trim my own horses every two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't have to pay someone to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it doesn't take very long and their feet barely look like they've had anything done to them, but then they live in that all of the time. Mm-hmm. So, thinking about, um, you know, it, I think four weeks with that four to five, four to seven millimeters worth of growth, mm-hmm. removing that regularly is really important.
1: Yeah, 100%. So, have you seen, uh, obviously, horses that have just been left to go that length of time and having, you know, significant structural changes in their body that? like can't be rectified and then potential ongoing lameness?
2: Yes. So um, I I deal with obviously a lot of different horses, but there's one particular horse that I have in mind. When I first met him, um, he's a little quarter horse and he has feet that basically point at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the left front is much worse than the right front. Um, and and he's the way that he... When I first met him, like his his feet were very long. The, the owner is a wonderful owner. She's she sticks to the program. She does everything that like she gets him done every four weeks on the dot. Um, so she's wonderful. But she was having trouble getting a farrier who would come and trim her horse regularly and take enough off and you know work with with the way the ho- the horse's confirmation because he's an adult horse, right? So there's no changing. You can't make them go straight because the bones are actually ha- have fused and he's he's pigeon toed for life. But what we've got to do is make sure that, that he doesn't get um, too imbalanced with that wear, the uneven wear, um, to be able to reduce stress on his uh, soft tissues, especially his collateral ligaments. So each each joint has got ligaments on either side or, or wrapping all around, really, but we call them collateral ligaments. And when you've got a horse with a, a hoof deformity, especially, or an angular limb deformity, putting pressure on those is is, is your immediate problem mm. um and then also the way the horse uses the limb in static balance so when they're standing still and dynamic balance when they're moving um can also put pressure on their um their their posture the way they stand the way um especially say if front end issues like um uh, they get a lot of issues in the thoracic sling so um you know the chest area um and this particular horse i'm thinking of he will even to this day he was Worse uh, when I first met him, and obviously he's a lot better now. Um, and he has regular body work as well uh, to keep him going. He um, and he's a he's a hard working ridden horse. He will stand with his front feet closer together and then pointing at each other pretty much until his um, his chest gets fatigued,
1: mm-hmm. and then
2: he will. Open his legs up and stand wide like base he 'll he'll be base mar- he'll look he'll look like his base narrow, his chest will get fatigued he 'll stand base wide and then his collateral his fetlocks will get fatigued his collateral ligaments on his fetlock will get fatigued, but his chest is resting then he 'll move his feet back in be base narrow again and and it 's a cycle if you watch him, he just puts his legs out and puts his legs in and it 's very clever that he does that he 's trying to keep the pressure he 's trying not to over fatigue uh, different structures in his body mm. So the way that I trim this guy is for static balance, I try and keep him um, as gathered as possible. So when I'm, say, for instance, I'm doing his left front foot, when I pick it up, he's very worn on the outside and he's very long on the inside. Mm. I'll trim off the inside, but then I'll also make sure he's not got too much on the outside. So, okay, static balance, I'll trim off the inside, right? And keep that nice and tight so that it's not overstressing his um, outside ligaments all up his leg. Yeah. For dynamic balance, when he's moving, he needs to break over in this area and be easily able to break over on the outside of that hoof, right? Uh, so it's his left front, this one. Um, he needs to easily break over there. So that needs to be trimmed out of his way as well. If I leave that long, that's going to make it harder for him to break over and it's going to make all that, all those ligaments that need to break over in that area stretch and have repetitive strain injuries, right? Mm-hmm. So I also need to trim that in. So there's two different considerations here for this horse. So I know I've done a good job. When I finish, I'll, I'll do one foot and I always start on his worst foot because then I watch as I go around the rest of the body to see where he places that limb and if he's as close to um, – you know, base neutral, I guess, not base narrow, base wide. If he's standing as close to base neutral as possible and he seems comfortable there and able to maintain that, I'm pretty happy with his trim that time. But I'll often go back and, and, and fix it. Um, the other thing I do with him is I'll take slow motion video. Um, a horse's hoof should land as close to, like if you're looking at them from straight on and they're walking straight towards you. And most phones have got slow motion video these days so it's quite easy if you've got a helper to be able to take a video of this on your own horses. Uh, a horse should land with both sides of its feet, the inside and the outside on the bottom, um, so medial and lateral, as close to um, equal as possible. Sometimes I'll land slightly outside first and then and then drop to the inside but they shouldn't be leaning hard on the outside and snapping to the inside they shouldn't be leaning hard on the inside and snapping to the outside yeah. that's going to cause concussive issues so i'll take slow motion video of most horses if i'm a bit not sure about the balance um uh but this horse in particular um i've done this in the past so um where you take the video slow motion's better you can see it without slow motion but slow motion's better and you can really see the way that they and these pigeon toed horses they'll come through they'll wing they'll move their legs in such weird ways um depending on on the horse and then they'll quite often they'll land even though the inside's long a lot of the time they'll land hard on the outside hmm. um even though and then so it's difficult because you think you got to trim out of the way what they land hard on you think if I trim more on the outside it's going to turn him in more so there's a balance
1: yeah definitely as
2: sorry I'll continue
1: (laughs) this is really good
2: I was just (laughs) gonna repeat myself again
1: yeah no I hate (laughs) um yeah I love that idea I was actually just thinking that it would be pretty awesome if we had the opportunity to send you in some slow motion videos yeah. of our uh, horses hooves. And, <clears throat> you know, we try, like, we try to trust our farriers and I l- leave it to my farrier's good yeah. judgment. because yeah. <laughs> and, and we appreciate that. We appreciate that. <laughs> definitely. Hooves aren't my jam. So yeah. <laughs> I trust you and like, you know, your years of education and passion and, you know, um, just like, digging into the trenches on on the details so yeah <clears throat> I I don't have the passion to dig into the details so yeah being able to give it eyes over on somebody who has that obsession for it makes uh <laughs> makes it easier to know yeah. um and I definitely appreciate like we definitely struggle um well some of my students anyway have farriers that um are good farriers yeah do struggle to get out regularly to yeah. maintain the hoof to that level that's required. So, <clears throat> you know, it can be hard to manage their soundness on the saddle and yeah. their musculoskeletal health when, you know, they have such significant postural deformities that are being exaggerated by the length yes. of the hoof. And yep. you just end up kind of trying to chase your tail just to keep, them going because like it, you take that length off and all of a sudden all the ligaments contract up again and it's yeah. like this constant management cycle of like the ligaments and everything hyper extending to compensate for the rotation and then all contracting back up again and um you know it's an, any wonder our poor horses <laughs> end up with right downness issues it's yep. like management process yeah and we often think well probably
2: not your eye or your audience but the industry as a whole I think a lot of these behavioral issues are actually hoof and and body issues Mm -hmm. not really behavioral
1: issues yeah definitely um you know when I go out to look at a dangerous horse it's most commonly to do with a horse trying to communicate yes. something Yep. and generally what they're communicating is pain mm-hmm. then when we try and strip back like where is this pain coming from i quite often can see like poor training techniques from the saddle yep. but then obviously like you would see the hoof issues and the body yep. workers are gonna see the musculoskeletal issues and right gonna see the ulcers and it's such You know, when I have a new student that gets a new horse, we spend like a year to two years trying to unravel all of these like management issues that people just don't even realise are a problem. You know, you correct behaviour, you correct behaviour, you correct behaviour, you correct behaviour. You're not really correcting behaviour. You're just telling the horse it's not allowed to react and telling you that it's a problem. Yep, yep. And so... Yep, no. you can. <laughs> So then, when you give them the opportunity to tell you there's a problem, we're like, holy, there's like, you know, ten years yep. of poor management that has led to these behavioural issues, and now you've got to try and rewind that. It doesn't yep. happen in six. No, months. no,
2: it doesn't. And horses that have been, and it's not necessarily like people don't deliberately shut their horses down. They don't deliberately ignore pain. They don't. It, it's just that I guess we're not taught um from either a young age or from when we like there's sorry my dog's in here with me come here
1: hi bobby he's
2: um he's on crate rest but he's very upset that he's stuck in the crate so i've brought him upstairs with me (laughs) um and he's not meant to be moving sit um yeah the the industry as a whole i feel like we're not taught to see these more subtle signs of pain a slightly wrinkled nose a little bit of a worried eye you know a, a a horse that just Oh, he's a little bit hard to catch, but if you've got food, that's fine. Well, why is he a little bit why does he not want to hang out with you? Yeah. Um uh like we're taught to kind of um not see our horses as robots. That's definitely not the case because nobody really is into horses unless they love them because they're too expensive and heartbreaking otherwise. <laughs> um, but uh, you know. I'll give myself an example so when I first started trimming obviously I was concentrating on the foot and concentrating on what I was doing a lot and trying to have the hoof where it was convenient for me and lifting the legs up really high or putting too much torque on the joint or whatever and then these horses were a little bit naughty yeah um these days like I don't do anywhere near as many horses as what other farriers do because number one my confirmation is terrible. If I was a comp- competition horse, I'd be a low-level dressage horse that's retired <laughs> at 12. I'm not even joking. No. And number two, I specialise in these guys that, um, that need a little bit more time, yeah. holding the lo- leg really low, having a, f- like, I'll, you know, sit, just, you know, sitting back and having a look at where they put their foot and having think about, okay, well, he's not got his cannon bones perpendicular to the ground. Why is that? You know, has he got long toes? So he's standing back underneath himself too much and standing what they call goat on a rock or why is that? Is it muscular? Is it hoof? Blah, blah, blah. Like I spend a little bit more time looking at those kind of things. Mm. Um, Where was I going with this? (laughs) Listening, yeah. So the horses have taught me to listen. And when I get a new horse that's not been listened to, they will yell straight away mm-hmm. like a horse with a locking like a pony with a locking stifle for instance a horse, like 100%. a pony that i've that i've got soon you, you run your hand down and then you wait yeah wait until they move themselves around so they can pop that open pop up you know unlock their stifle and then they can pick it up but if you put the foot down and go, oh this pony's not listening to me pick up pick up pick up they get so worried yeah I'll freak out so you know when I first get to these horses and we we might not even know that there's a locking stifle issue a lot of the time owners don't notice these these things because they're not taught these things they're not told these things by the professionals mm-hmm. that they employ um whether that's because the professionals think that they're not going to listen or the pro- which happens a lot unfortunately or the professionals aren't aware of it themselves because they haven't been taught this is there's a lot of I don't know that I don't see or listen um But, you know, these horses, I'll run my hand down their leg and they start freaking out immediately. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. Well, they might, like, they can't kick because they're locked. But, you know, they're very worried. And I'm like, okay, why is this horse worried about me just running my hand down its leg? 100%.
1: There's a reason. Most often with um, behavioral issues, with kicking, Mm. I'm finding something wrong they're yelling quarters whether like it can be the stifle obviously yep but then obviously when the stifle is actually locked exactly other problems
2: sacro hammies like there's so many issues and and by the time they're kicking they're yelling at you
1: yeah because they're going don't touch me they've had Mm -hmm. people like do exactly what you say where they're not picking their leg up and then end up reefing their leg up Mm -hmm. which is the part that causes the pain which is the part that makes them Yeah. Out about the situation
2: or there's another thing as well that i'll give a horse its foot back as many times as it needs it if it needs a break it gets its foot back yeah. um as long as i ask politely i don't i i teach them not to snatch snatching yeah. hurts my body so i teach him not to snatch but then i'll i'll hold them where it's comfortable um but um you know they might they might be fine picking their foot up but then after two minutes the other limb is like the contralateral limb or whatever will be fatiguing because they they don't have strong glutes or um, quads or you know their sacrum is starting to the, the ligaments in the sacrum starting to, to to fatigue or you know they have they're bringing abscess in the other front foot so they're getting mm-hmm. a little bit sore and you don't know because you're not at that foot yet or you know so um, listening this is kind of going off track a bit but listening's really listening to the horses is really really um, important to me I've got like a on my wall in my office here i've got like my like my what are they called my values i guess and one of them is connection with horses and yeah. that's a big part of it for me is connecting yeah. with the horses and really listening to them because they get they, they tell you they tell you okay. what's wrong
1: 100 percent. that is um you know ours is first do no harm and yes definitely next one is listening um <clears throat> i'm just gonna quickly pause the recording because my dog is going off that's all right <laughs> I think there might be someone at the door. One sec. No worries. Okay, we're back. (laughs) Meet a man. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so definitely um, if you're seeing those kind of big behavioral issues with the horses, I know that um, we see it a bit with the farriers. If they're not paying attention to why the horse is kicking, it does make our – work with them harder. So I've mm-hmm. definitely had, you know, student horse students with horses. One I'm thinking in particular is stifle lock, um, was a stifle lock issue and she couldn't pick her, she couldn't go near her horse's back legs without yep. her trying to like kick at her. Yes. And <clears throat> it's because she hasn't been given the grace to unlock the stifle herself, yep. pick it up for herself, which is why also we prefer to Q-train the leg lift rather than actually be the one that's physically lifting it up. Plus it doesn't wear on our body.
2: And can I say farriers love when the horse will just run my own horse. I just, I just run my hand down her leg and she picks it up. It's amazing. I wish they all did
1: that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's another thing that I hear from my farrier a lot. Like it's not the farrier's job to train your horse. It's your job to train the horse and make sure that they can pick their legs up. Well, for the farrier. Definitely.
2: <laughs> that definitely helps.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, Makes us less grumpy. Like yeah. fairies have a reputation for being grumpy. Yeah. And like it's because it's we love our job, but it, it's it's hard.
1: Oh, I really don't hard. know how you can stay bent over like that all day. Yeah. I have a very weak back. I would not I would be crippled by the end of one day of your job.
2: Lots of yoga, lots oh. of stretching, lots of everything's this yeah. so far and it's you know this is everything I've learned about horses bodies like it's so cool that I chat with my physio a lot about how the correlations but yeah. everything's this yeah. so anything like crouched over in front for the podcast listener. sorry so everything I do stretch wise is like shoulders back arms back opening up my chest really mm, oh yeah that even that feels so good just doing that right now like <laughs> oh anyway
1: yeah So we are going to add a little bonus to this podcast, which you can find um, on YouTube and we'll also uh, upload it to our website um, at www.equestiarmovement.com forward slash The Glorious Hoof. And you're going to do just a little mini training for us on... Some um
0: postural
2: defects. Yeah, some things. postural stuff. Um, uh, I'll concentrate on just postural stuff. Uh, horses with um, you know, toe in, toe out, or you know, limb deformities of some description. And then I might just go through a little bit of what is normal posture mm. because yeah, not a horse, sense. not a lot of horses stand normally. <laughs> and once you start really looking, like it looks odd initially when a horse is standing with all four legs with the cannon bones perpendicular to the ground and resting and not 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 resting a hind leg just standing square and yeah. they're just their muscles are nice and loose and and just like that is normal yeah. and once you start noticing that your horses aren't standing that way yeah um it it can really kind of open your eyes a bit and make you start thinking which is awesome thinking yeah. owners are just I love working with a thinking owner. Yeah, definitely.
1: That's definitely one of the things that um, we teach as well is like, how does your horse stand when it's in the paddock? How is your horse standing when you bring it in to tack up? Like that is an indication of how you're working them for crookedness as well or straightness. It's not, you know, how well can you cue a square hole It's how square is the training and the management and the work that you're doing with your horse? Like, how much is it squaring and balancing them out? And that is to do with overall soundness. Like, a, a crooked, imbalanced horse progresses to lameness and arthritis. Yes. So, we're just trying to like manage these. External forces that we are responsible for when we're putting on the horse to create the longevity of their career so that they don't break down at a young age and have to be retired.
2: Yeah. And um, I I love that. Even, I don't know if you're familiar with Sharon May Davis's work. Yeah. Um, She talks about the elbow. Every horse that she dissects that is a ridden animal, like a ridden horse has got elbow arthritis, even if they've just mm. been lightly worked, broken in some form. And like all of our bodies have got wear and tear. Mm. Um, so whenever I'm working, like working my horse, I even just think just the act of sitting on her can be doing damage. So what else can I, what can I manage?
1: Yeah. Um,
2: that's wonderful. That that's what you're teaching.
1: Yeah,
2: Exactly. It's the first do no harm thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We want to ride our horses. We yeah. do because we love it. And yeah. I, I think a lot of the horses do enjoy mm. The connection and the yeah. and and moving their bodies and feeling yeah. good that way um but how can we do that in in a least like in a um what am I trying to say here you know without we, we're doing the sm- smallest amount of damage possible
1: yeah definitely yeah mentally it's a, and physically <laughs> yeah it's a big a big job a big project definitely and even us with like you know 20 years up our sleeve of shh, don't tell anyone how old I am <laughs> <laughs> up our sleeve of like working on this kind of thing it's a constant um you know you're trying to improve yep. your understanding and, and yep. how you work with them and it's all always for the benefit of the horse and not for the ribbons
2: yep yep definitely <laughs> and there's no end point no
1: no yep. it really isn't it's no. just a ongoing obsession yeah <laughs> is why who's in your obsession and movement is mine
2: <laughs> yep it's awesome
1: Beautiful. So, um, if people want to check out these awesome pictures of the posture that you've been correcting um, and everything else that you love to do hoof wise, they can check you out on um, facebook.com forward slash glorious hoof. Yep. And on Instagram, you're at the glorious hoof AU. That's right. Uh, and then we'll have our bonus training on our website. And you're also in our free facebook group the stronger bond community um where if we have hoof issues in like people talking about hoof problems in there we generally tend to tag you yeah tag me yeah jump in and always happy to give Uh some Uh, i I love that um we should probably try and tee up a way because we offer a gait analysis Mm -hmm. as one of our um ways to help you see if your horse is tracking up awesome family um, I think that would be pretty cool if we could do that slow motion video as well yeah. with you with the hoof. Yeah, happy to
2: do, do. we could do something live, we could do something recorded, happy to have a look at some movement and just make comments on the way the horse is moving and, and what I would see in the feet and how I would handle that as a farrier. That's awesome. Yeah, it would be really
1: interesting to see like how much of what I'm seeing in a gait analysis is hoof because mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously that isn't my forte <laughs> <laughs> I think you
2: if you've got a good eye for movement otherwise I think once you know what's normal in a, in the way the distal limb moves you, you, you if you've got a good eye you'll pick that up
1: yeah uh I I have an eye for what's wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> if, if there's something wrong about it I'm like that's there's something wrong with that but yeah. I don't know what's wrong <laughs> yes yeah oh so lovely chatting with you i guess you too all day about hooves and i think we'll have to jump back in again at some stage and and talk about some of your other passions definitely the polyurethane shoes yeah exciting oh uh we will talk to you soon
0: thank you so much bye bye if you're loving what you're learning in the podcast and want to take it to the next level you need to check out our online membership for holistic horse riding. In our membership, we delve into the pillars of training
1: that firstly develop mental relaxation so that our horses can learn new cues
0: and work with relaxation and swing, but also how to develop forwardness, engagement, thoroughness, impulsion, and self-carriage with straightness and balance. So if you're looking to ride your horse for soundness first and ribbons later,
1: and you want your horse to work pain-free, enjoy movement and ask to be ridden, check out our membership at www.equestriarmovement.com forward slash riding for soundness.